Welcome to This Week in South Carolina. I'm Charles Bierbauer. March's National Women's History Month has been since the 1980s. Not to be confused with International Women's Day on March 8th, that's long been a socialist holiday. 1992 was called the Year of the Woman after an increasing number of women were elected to the U.S. Senate. Last year was a deservedly bad year and a very public one for men who abuse women. And some are calling 2018 the political year of the woman. Joining me this week are State Senator Katrina Sheely. She's a Republican from Lexington County and one of four women in the South Carolina Senate. And Representative Beth Bernstein, a Democrat from Richland County and one of 23 women in the State House. Just so the math is clear, the 27 women legislators in the General Assembly are accompanied by 143 men. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, we, we love to take advantage of things like Women's History Month and, and to talk about some of the issues that we think are, are, are relevant and, and of concern, and of course, legislation that has an impact on women. But a little bit about the numbers first. Record numbers in terms of the number of women represented in the South Carolina State House, and yet so few. You were, the, you were alone when you entered the Senate uh, four years ago. I was. Um, and there had been women in the Senate prior to me, but for a period there, there were no women in the South Carolina Senate. So when I was elected, I was a lone woman for three years. And, um, you know, it, it was a little lonely there. But then we had a, an election uh, when, after Senator Clemente Pinckney was uh, the tragedy in Charleston, and Senator Margie Bright Matthews joined me for a year. And now, you know, history, uh, in 2016 when we had two other women join us and this is the most women there have ever been in the South Carolina Senate with four you know that's still not a large number but we have four women in the South what's Carolina the Senate. dynamic does it change it has changed I think it has changed I don't think it's um, you know it's, it hasn't changed a lot but it has changed because I think you know women have more of a presence there than they did um, you know, I have taken it upon myself to work on different issues, I think, than, than the, the men in the Senate have worked on in the past. I work on more uh, children's issues, family issues, and I think that was something that was lacking in the past. I don't think, you know, I don't think that men don't think that's important, don't get me wrong, because I think they do, but I think, I don't think that that was at the forefront. So I, I think I brought that more to the forefront, and I think having more women in the Senate to back you up on that and, and to help you move those issues forward, you know, things like teen dating violence and those things that uh, uh, Senator Mia McLeod have helped work on, I think those things have been more of an issue since we have more women in the Senate. So House like? So the, it's interesting. So uh, Senator Sheely and I came in at the same time, and while she was the only woman, I was one of probably about 21, 22. And it's kind of, since I've been elected, kind of fluctuated. We had fewer women, I think my second term, just because of re-elections, and then now with special elections, we've had some more women. And it, it's interesting because it's it's bipartisan. It's pretty much even split in the Senate and in the House. It's half and half of Republican and, and Democratic women. It's just as a woman, I was hoping as a caucus, as a women's caucus, that we could be a little bit more influential and come together and sometimes the issues that you would think all women would get behind aren't necessarily the so case. So I'm hearing you say yeah. that, that it is not as bipartisan as, you, as you'd like it yeah, to be. Yeah, or unified. 
I think we're right. And, you know, I think Senator Sheely, as she mentioned, teen dating violence, and she's working with Senator McLeod on that, that that is bipartisan. And, and Senator Sheely and I work together on lots of issues. And I think women bring a different set of skills to the legislature. And while um, sometimes those are underutilized, it's just we also have to go back to our constituency. So when we're dealing with bills like pregnancy accommodation or um, one of the bills that I've, I'm working on or increasing the um, ability to be able to get birth control, you would think women as a caucus could maybe get behind that, but maybe that does not reflect their constituency. What are those too. different skills you refer to? I don't want to be, deal with the obvious. Well, I'd rather you tell me. Yeah, and, and that's a fair question for sure. I think that the way we approach a problem, and maybe it's also because I'm a lawyer and how I approach problems, but I think women can bring more of, um, we think about it, we, we don't um, necessarily just come to a quick conclusion, I think, and you know, I, I don't want to uh, criticize uh, my male colleagues, but we might be more empathetic, we look at the broader picture, maybe family issues are important to us and I, I just think we just our thought process do you have a different skill set is, is, is empathy one of those I, I think it is and I think I truly believe that women have better negotiating skills than men when it comes to negotiating what we want I think that we can negotiate across the aisle better I think we can get our point across to our fellow colleagues better I, I feel like, and working with the House, if I have something that I'm working on, I can go across, whether it's to Representative Bernstein or Representative Gilda Cobb-Hunter, who, you know, some of my other colleagues, some of my male counterparts might not be able to go over and talk with them about that, or even across the aisle in the Senate. I can go across the aisle and talk to them about the issues that I think are important. And I look at things a little bit different than my male counterparts do. And I do think that we have different skill sets. So you, you probably are both encouraging more women to run for office. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, you know, when I first ran, I had two, and I still have young daughters, but they, at the time, they were two and six. Um, and that is an, an additional issue that you have to contend with when you're running for office. And I think that's what's um, caused women to kind of shy away from running for elective office because as the primary caretaker generally in the um, in our at least with my husband and me it would I would be sacrificing time with my children so I think that was an issue that women initially would have in running but when they see women who are running who are raising a family who are caring you know having a full-time job caring for their children, being a house, you know, taking care of the home, um, it makes it easier to be able to to run and when other women are doing it. And it's interesting, let me just, and, uh, and I'll defer to Senator Sheely in a second, but Emily's List is a Democratic national women's organization that recruits women, female women to run for office, local, state, federal level. I was talking to one of the gentlemen who works with the organization about a month ago. In years past, they had had about a thousand women nationwide showing interest in running for office. They are over, well over 20,000 women who have reached out to this organization 
and running for office. And as you say, 1992 was the year of the woman. I really feel very strongly that 2018 is the year of the woman. There, there are, at, at this point, uh, according to some statistics, uh, Rutgers did a survey, uh, nearly 400 women running for the U.S. House, 50 women running for the U.S. Senate, 75 women have registered to run for governorships. We have women running in both the Republican and Democratic Party. Uh, Catherine Templeton, the mm -hmm. Republican, Marguerite Willis, the, uh, the Democrat running for, for governor here. So would, would you share the view that, that this year is in some way much more a, a year for women running for office? I, I definitely think it is, and I think women are are seeing that it's more important that they they come out and run. And and it's like Representative Bernstein said, in the past women have felt like it, it's hard for a woman to run for office because of the responsibilities at home. Not that men don't have the responsibilities at home, but they, it's easier for them to um, to leave that responsibility to the wife. She does the she does buys the groceries. She takes care of the kids. She makes sure they go to school. She probably also has a job. You know, she has that other job that she does, and then she's going to run. Certainly did, yes. Yeah, and then she's going to come and come to the state house for six months a year. You know, if if you're talking about a state representative or a, a senator, so she's got to you got to balance that. What's been the catalyst for this? More women getting into the into the race. I think that. Part of it may be what we are seeing in the media, that women think they want to be more represented in things that are happening statewide, nationally. You know, we want our voices heard. All women want to be heard. We think that there are things going on that we want to change. But I think that when we see what's happening, we want to be part of the change. Women want to change things. Are you, are you being kind and not saying we're fed up with the way the men have been doing it? Well, I, no, because I'm not that kind. I would just say what I think. But, um, and everybody knows that. Anybody that knows me knows that I say what I think. But I don't think we're fed up. I think that we just think we might have a better idea. We might have a better way to do things. And, and women do think different than men think. What, what's I the think catalyst? I are frustrated. You know, I don't know, fed up, frustrated, maybe you could say those are similar, but I think we're frustrated and we're not being represented, and we recognize that. We represent 52% of the population, and our issues are not in the forefront. They're not considered priority. And I think with the Me Too movement, how women were being treated in certain arenas has gotten women emboldened and feeling together much more powerful and saying, hey, this is wrong. Our issues aren't being represented. We've got to do something about it. And while I think I ran for office and you ran for office, you really can't complain a whole lot if you're not going to step up and try to do something. And I think women are feeling encouraged to do that. And it takes that encouragement to feel that you're not isolated and out there all alone. I mean, Senator Sheely was a female senator who was all alone. I think they had to create the the female the the girls' bathroom for you over there or something. Well, you know, you know, there were just no, the, the same mindset. thing happened in, yeah. in Washington and in, in, in right. Congress. And so, you, you said something, uh, Representative Bernstein, the, the Me Too movement, which was of course the response to uh, women saying that yes, Me Too, I've, I have been. 
sexually abused or harassed in one form or another, whether physically, emotionally. Uh, and, and now we also have uh, the Never Again movement, right. which is the, the students arising from the, uh, the Parkland shooting and the succession of, of tragic shootings, mass killings that, that we have had. So when you get that kind of, whether it's Me Too, whether it's Never Again, how much does that change the, the, the sense of people who want to get involved? Does it take something big like that? I think people feel empowered. I think you feel empowered when so many people are are in, involved. I think that you feel like people are going to be behind you when you do it, and you feel the empowerment of the Me Too movement or the Never Again movement or whatever, that you feel like if you decide to run or if you decide to do something, that there are going to be people that are there. When When I ran for office, let me tell you, it was like a lone wolf out there because there was I ran against a very powerful senator with a lot of money and it was it was it wasn't no it was not a it was a me by myself. Is it harder for a woman to raise money for, for it politics? It is very hard for a woman to raise money and it's it, it was it's not as hard now but at the time it was hard for a woman to raise money. Why it's is that? still hard for a woman because people don't believe you can win if people don't believe you can win they're not going to support you. Now more people believe women can win so more people are going to support women you know, Cat Catherine Templeton, ago. for example, running for the Republican She's nomination for government, money. was doing apparently quite well raising money uh, and, and in her, her race to uh, uh, challenge Governor McMaster. If people think you can win, they will give you money. If people don't think you can win, they don't want to invest in it. And while she is a, 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 a female, sometimes I think her issues don't necessarily reflect um, women's issues. And I think the Never Again movement is the suburban mom who thinks about sending her child to school and the current climate with with gun safety uh, reform measures is something that maybe would resonate more with the the female member of the congress or state state legislatures or whatever maybe i but, you know but, but one of the most passionate a, people coming from florida is the father of the young girl who yeah. was killed. He was, he was. Um, but I think as a whole, I think suburban moms are being, are going to, to move this, this issue. We, we had a, we had a race two years ago for the president that involved a man and a woman, Trump and Clinton. Was, was that just too anomalous in, in many ways to, to hold up as, well, we had a woman running for president? I'll start with she, you. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because for some reason, I think Secretary Clinton was not embraced by women and men. And, you know, you understand the man, but, you know, a lot of women did not embrace her and recognize her as, as a leader or somebody they could relate to. So I don't think it was so much of an indictment on a female running for, for president as not much a, as... Not a gender issue. Correct. Okay. Correct. In my, in my opinion, I just think... The Clinton dynamic was just too flawed, obviously, as we can see what we're what we have now. But <laughs> what what worked for for Governor Haley? What worked for Nikki Haley when she ran for governor? I, I think that there were a lot of people that embraced the fact that um, she was attacked on so many fronts when she was running, and people wanted something different. And, and she was she was different. She was changed. I mean, she truly was something that South Carolina had never seen before. 
she worked very hard to get where she was going. You know, she, she was in the House. She came from the House. She ran for governor. She was, you know. Virtually unknown. Uh, yeah, she, she was. Well, she was unknown when she ran for the House. She beat a, an incumbent that had been there 30 years when she mm -hmm. ran for the House. She was, and when she ran for, the, uh, for governor, she was somebody that nobody thought could win. And, you know, she worked really hard, and I think that people just wanted somebody different. And she was, like, sincere. She was true. She was honest. And look where she is. She's been true and honest the whole time. I don't think she's ever strayed away from what she believes in. Now, does everybody agree with everything she ever did? No. And she fought with the legislature tooth and nail. You know, she, she and I have been friends for a long time, but when she disagreed with me, let me tell you, when she disagrees with you, you know it. Did, you know? did that cut across the political spectrum in a, in a way of, of enabling women, regardless of whether they were Republicans or Democrats? Um, by her being by governor? Her, by, by yeah, her. you know, because uh, I have um, kind things to say about Governor Haley, honestly, and I think she evolved into this tremendous leader and how she handled the the massacre, the shooting in Charleston, and how she she embraced those families, and she took the lead on helping getting the flag taken off. Um, I'm not so certain, as a, the first female governor of the state of South Carolina, that she actually moved the ball down the field for women. Honestly, uh, and maybe because I've come from a different political party, I but that. and and you might and you might, but I'm I'm not criticizing her necessarily. I, I'm very strong on women's issues and so I feel that women need to get behind certain issues and I just didn't see Governor Haley necessarily. But you know what? I take that back. With the HPV bill, the Cervical Cancer Prevention Act, she had she, she did. I worked with her office. She had um, vetoed it and it then there it was eleven, twelve year process and she did work because she was a mother of a teenage daughter and recognize that, you know, this was something important. So I, I want to get to some of those issues yeah. uh, and, and the rest of the show here. But but very quickly, do you have a political role model, you yourself? Um, that's interesting. Someone asked me if I could have a conversation with somebody, and you're going to think this is in, uh, who was alive or not alive, who would it be? And I said Margaret Thatcher, which is interesting because she led with an iron fist. And I she think the way. She certainly did. Yeah. But. Um, Think about when she came through, you know, it was very male-dominated, more so than, than we see now. The, the and British, I'm more of a the consensus... British political structures, yeah. yes. I'm more of a consensus been. builder, mm -hmm. and you know, she's more conservative, too, but I'm more of a consensus builder. I don't rule by the iron fist. I think that's how I like to work, is trying to find a common ground. But I would like to have a conversation with her, honestly. Okay. It would be interesting. Sen Senator Shealy, do you have a political role well, you know, Secretary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it. Get you unelected. I'm, I'm totally kidding. No, well, I will honestly say no. It's not Secretary Clinton. I want to get that on the record. But you know, not, not really. You know, I, you, Margaret Thatcher's great. You know, I would say she's a great role model. But I, you know, there's nobody. Sometimes that, it's a collective. I mean, yeah, you don't necessarily. I, have I don't, to have one. Nobody let, that I really let me, aspire. Let me, to. let me let me use some time on on issues here. Um, Representative Bernstein, you, you've been quoted as saying women's issues are not all as partisan as they may appear to be. So what are they? Well, you know, like I said, I feel very strongly about a women's 
women's certain rights that women have, and I think a, a relationship between a, a female and her physician should remain that. I don't think it should be something that is legislated. I, I understand where people come from different um, philosophies and ideologies, and that if we're dealing with um, Roe v. Wade issues, that people are going to come, whether they're female or male. Um, but there are issues like pregnancy accommodation, just providing certain um, accommodations for women who are pregnant in the workplace, providing water, providing an opportunity to be able to sit, not for high-risk pregnancies, just for women who are in the workforce who are pregnant. And I think that should be a nonpartisan issue. And I think, you know, we, Greg Delaney, who he and I, Senator Delaney, think differently on certain issues dealing with women, but we both want a healthy pregnancy. And so he and I are the ones who are uh, on that bill together. And I think those are issues that I think a lot of women can come, you know, back back up. And uh, Senator, you mentioned some things earlier on in our conversation that, that you think are not particularly partisan, addressing child abuse questions, domestic, domestic violence. South Carolina does not have a great reputation, especially on domestic violence. Uh, what can we do about it? Well, you know, we fought hard and worked together, I think, on most of these issues. Um, you know, we have right now that we just passed in the Senate uh, a bill, it's S805, we sent it over there, y'all need to get it passed, on the Child Advocacy Bill, where we have an ombudsman that's going to, you know, oversee all agencies that handle any child child um, agency, you know, DSS, DJJ, HHS, and so we can make sure all children in South Carolina are taken care of. and because I've worked hard on children's issues in South Carolina, and I think that if we're talking about children or the elderly or veterans, these are issues that everybody ought to care about. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. These are human issues. These are issues that touch everybody, and I don't think that that's a Republican or a Democrat issue. And when you mentioned the um, criminal, uh, criminal domestic violence cases, it's interesting because of our legislature has not an appetite for any kind of gun reform, but we did come together in making sure that those who were convicted of a um, CDV were unable or were pre prevented from carrying a firearm. So if you've got a domestic so, violence conviction, you're not right, going to have access right. to firearms. Some people right. lost their seat over that bill. Yeah. Senator right. Larry Martin lost his seat over that, that bill. No, no seat should be assigned to it, should it? You are down to about the last couple of weeks of the legislative session, and we are down to the last couple of minutes of this of this show for this week. So what's, what is your legislative priority for getting done this session? making sure the House passes S-805. Truly, I think that's the most important piece. 805 being? The, the Child Advocacy Bill, because I've worked very hard on that. I've, since I've been in the legislature, I've wanted to, to restructure Department of Social Services. I think this is the closest I'm probably going to get, and so this is my top priority. I, I work very hard to get it through the Senate, and let me tell you, sometimes me getting things done in the Senate are a real struggle. We got it passed. It's in the house now. So I'm going to go over there every day and watch them You'll until it gets done. You'll be seeing more of each You'll other. You'll be seeing more of me. Does that but, have a chance to pass? 
Um, it's kind of held up right now on criminal law subcommittee, right? No, it just got there. Y'all gonna have so subcommittee meetings. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking the teen. No, teen dating violence. violence. Yeah. No, that is. But this just got there, and I think that I've got a really good chance because I've got some good people that are supporting it. And if I can, yes, what I would will be your support. priority? We're well, down to about besides, two okay, uh, obviously the the one issue that I think is dominating the legislature right now is the Scanna Santee Cooper fiascos. Then when we're talking, of course, that's going to be well, both. That, that's one, that's, that, that's one that essentially has to be. Right. Has to, and it can't defer. It really, it, it really has to. And we we've sent the bills that we feel that we've needed to to the Senate. Let's just hope that the the leadership there will will do something with those bills. But on a personal level, the bills that are important to me, some of the ones that I'm trying to push, like I've already talked about, the pregnancy accommodation mm -hmm. issues that really uh, affect women. There's a um, I mean, there, there's just so many issues that I feel very strongly about, um, you know. And, and the Never Again movement among the among the students is not going to generate any change in gun laws in South Carolina? Um, I have a bill that I filed December of 16 that um, I'm going to try to do a strike and insert with the, the bill that um, Senator Gregory and Senator and Kempson are trying yeah. to do, but I think the time is running out. And you know, one issue that we haven't talked about is the sexual harassment issue. And some of the legislation that we filed haven't gotten hearings, and I think that's a conversation we need to continue to have, too. Will, will the legislature fund uh, the resource officers for the schools? I, th I think that's very important that we do, yeah. And, you know, we did the budget, I think, after it's, and I think Molly Spearman, I think there's so many funding issues when it comes to our school, but I think we want to make sure that our kids are safe when they go to school. When we leave our children in the hands of, of our teachers, we want to make sure we that we just got safe. about 30 seconds left. We started talking about Women's History Month. You both have daughters. What would you tell them in, about that one sentence? Oh, for what I tell my daughter? Uh, not to get in politics. Uh, my daughter's a school teacher. Uh, she's raising my two grandsons. I would tell her to, you know, just be the best mother you can, raise my grandsons good, and, and you know, I, just, I don't. What do you tell your daughter? 14 and 9 year old, I would tell them they could be anything they wanted to be. And if they think something is wrong, they stand up and fight for it and they can make a difference and be the change. Thank, thank you both, Senator Katrina Shealy, Representative Beth Bernstein, and all the women who serve in elective office. Thanks as always to you for your time and your interest in the Kennedy Greenhouse Studio at the University of South Carolina. For SCTV, I'm Charles Beardmore.